Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. our scripture and we are in a brand new series called Abund- Discover Abundance. So we're going to be reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 starting in verse 1. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. It says we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also a desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that, that there may be fairness." As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Guys, I love that sermon bumper. Isn't that awesome? I wish we were actually in person and I could see the reactions on your face. So if you're a Stranger Things fan, obviously you recognize it. If you're not a Stranger Things fan, uh, then go, yeah, it's a Stranger Things reference. And, and the reason we did this bumper was because we're kind of talking about a strange topic. And so over this series, and we've never done a series that's, that's all on giving, all on generosity. And uh, so we've, I mean, we're only six and a half years old as a church, but we've talked about giving here and there. We kind of talk about it every Sunday, uh, but we haven't done a full theology of it. And that's what this series is about. It's a, it's a, it's a theology on generosity. It's, it's a theology on giving. 
And uh, we use the Stranger Things because uh, this is often a strange topic. It's often uh, a topic that's, that's somewhat taboo, that, that when people hear that you're talking about, they're like, oh, here we go again. They're going to talk about money. Well, that's not true in our church because we haven't done this before. Uh, so this is our first time doing this. And, and this is also, uh, I, I love the Stranger Things is kind of like this apocalyptic uh, feel to it as well. And I don't think the apocalypse is happening or anything like that. But we are in the end times, right, like we talked about. Uh, we, we're in a time where, where all, of, all of creation is coming to, to a close uh, or waiting and we're groaning for, for Jesus to come back. And, uh, and so I love the, the Stranger Things uh, theme there as well. And I also love the fact that uh, I get to talk about this topic on a live stream. So as awkward as this might be in person, like, I don't have to see your faces. I don't have to see your judgment. I don't have to see you guys shaking your heads at me. Uh, but um, <clears throat> yeah, we didn't plan this live stream. We've actually, this series was, was planned since last year. So we've expanded it a little bit. We've, we've tweaked it a little bit, but we, we plan to do this since last year. And I know it might feel a little, uh, it might be a little awkward talking about generosity and giving in a time like this, when we're in a crisis, when things are a little uncertain, when some of you guys have lost your jobs, when, when some of you guys have, have had your pay cut, uh, when, when we're just wondering day to day what's going to happen the next day. Uh, but I, I think there isn't a better time than to talk about discovering abundance together, discovering the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Because oftentimes when we get stripped of certain things, we, we start to ask questions like, what? What should our priorities be? Do you guys know even that word priorities? It wasn't until this past century, the, the 20th century, or maybe even uh, late 1800s, that that word became plural. It used to just be priority. Now there's multiple things that take first place. We have priorities, right? And, and so let's, discovering abundance though is all about priority. What is in the place of priority? And so we're gonna talk about that all throughout this series. And uh, check out this, this painting behind me. This painting is, is something that Missy and I did, and we put it up here in the New Common. And, and you can see that it, is, that it has streams, it has different colors. It kind of starts out from the edges and comes in to form this bigger picture in the middle. And there's like two or three colors on the outside. You add colors in, you add colors in, and they all follow streams, and they come together in the middle to form this, this painting. And uh, that's like this series. So I want you to think about this series in that way. It's five parts. Not each, each part is going to form the whole. So stay with us through the series. Try to get all of it together. Uh, today, we're not talking about everything there has to do with giving and generosity. I'm just really laying the foundation and setting the framework for our series for us to go through. And, and so I'm actually going to spend probably 15 to 20 minutes just on introing the series, and then we'll jump into the passage. So just wait, the passage is coming. Such a great passage, this, this one out of 2 Corinthians. We'll get to it, we'll walk through it, but uh, there's a few things I want us all to be on the same page with before we jump into there. Because this issue, odds are, um, depending on where you are on this issue, depending on where you are right now, uh, you're, you've had, you're having different reactions to it. Um, and, and I just want to say the tone of this series, guys, is, is pastoral. It's not condemnatory. We're not, we're not condemning anybody. We're not trying to tell you what to do here. 
Uh, we're just trying to show you the heart of God. And I want you to see our heart in this series, that it's, that it's one of release for you. We, want, we really want you to, dis- to discover abundance and the abundant life that Jesus came to give. We, we want you to be released from any hold that the enemy has on you. And, and that's the heart of God in this, guys. The, the heart of God is, is, is to have us live in freedom, is to, to experience the freedom of Christ. And so odds are uh, money, wealth, possessions has some hold on you. And we want you to be released and freed from that in order to experience the abundant life. That's our heart. And do you guys realize that money in and of itself has no intrinsic value? Except for maybe the paper it's printed on. It has no intrinsic value. It's really the government, the stock market, that tells us what value money has. That means that money is a human construct. We made it up, guys. Years ago, and not that many years ago, everything was on a bartering system where you traded things. Well, what happens when the butcher and the farmer are trading, but the farmer doesn't want meat? Well, that means they had to create money, because then the, instead of them trading, the butcher could just pay money to get, to get uh, crops, right? So we made up money, and it's not even that old in human history, and yet it's taken over our entire lives. We can't live without it, right? So this isn't a series on getting rid of money out of your life. It's, it's knowing how to handle it well for kingdom purposes. We, we, we can't get rid of it. Missy and I, we've actually been in a couple of countries where we've seen, where we've seen the reality of this. In 2013, we were in Libya, and after the Gaddafi regime fell, their money was completely, they had to completely change it because Gaddafi's image was on all their money. So you could find, you could find banknotes, dollar bills, that had uh, his face burnt out of them, like someone took a cigarette butt and burnt, burnt his face out uh, because it, was, it wasn't worth the same value to them anymore. It wasn't, it just, it had lost its value. And they had to reissue totally new banknotes to, in order to stimulate that economy. And uh, in 2018, uh, Missy and I were in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is, is probably the worst case of hyperinflation in all of history. Um, it's, it's just really bad. Uh, Alex, if, if you're watching, you can, maybe you have another example, but Zimbabwe's pretty bad. Uh, it's, it's like super duper hyperinflation. Um, because when we were there, guys, I'd never been in a country like this. And we've been, missing I've been in a, a lot of countries, and we hadn't been in one where there was no money. There's no cash. Like there, they had so much inflation that on the street, you could see $100 trillion bills, a bill that said $100 trillion on it, and it was worth nothing. It wasn't even worth the paper it was printed on. So you see there that they had $100 trillion of their money, but there's no value. Because we've, we've put value in it, and, and, <clears throat> and they're trying to sell them on the street, actually, uh, as, as like souvenirs for, for tourists. Uh, so think about Jesus now. We've, we've created this construct, right? This isn't, God didn't create this, right? Um, we created this construct. 
And now the, the, the enemy has turned it, and he's using it a lot. Uh, he's using it as a tool for evil and for his purposes, right? And so think about Jesus coming into this world 2,000 years ago, and he comes into, the, into this world where money is reigning the day, right? where, where money has control of people. So, so think about how his heart breaks when he's walking along and he sees Matthew sitting behind the tax collector's table, hoarding and stealing from his own people. And now his heart breaks, and he says, Matthew, come follow me. And you know what Matthew does? Immediately he gets up, and he follows Jesus. Right? He gives his all to him, and he just follows him. And he's, he, 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 recognizes, he recognizes something that he wants to give his life completely to. Think about Zacchaeus, Jesus walking along the road. Zacchaeus in the tree, right? The little guy, Zacchaeus, and, and he's stealing from his, his people too. He's, he's also doing the same thing that Matthew was doing. And, and he turns his life around and he gives back. He, he gives back to, to people what he stole and more. And he does that because he recognizes the value in, in Christ Jesus and what he's gained in Christ. So you have there Matthew and Zacchaeus, but then you also have someone like the rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I've done everything. I've done everything I need to do to obey you and follow your commandments. And Jesus goes right to his heart and he says, and he says to him, oh, go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And he walks away sad because the Bible says he had great possessions and he couldn't do it. He couldn't follow Jesus. He didn't see the same value in that as Matthew and Zacchaeus he, he wanted his earthly possessions. And you might be saying, and, and here we are talking about money, wealth, possessions, right? You might be saying, well, money doesn't really have a hold on me. Like, I'm, I'm fine with money. Yeah, we need it. It's necessary. I deal with it. I work my job. I pay my bills, whatever. But it doesn't really have a hold on me. It's not one of my idols. I'm, 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 I'm good there. Do you know that in the Bible, there's 500 verses on prayer? That's a lot of verses on prayer, guys. There's 500 verses on prayer. There's almost 500 on faith. That's 1,000 collectively on prayer and faith. But on money, there's over 2,300 verses just on money. Around 15% of Jesus uh, preaching is on money, wealth, possessions. Almost a third of his parables are about money. So that means that at the very least, we should at least evaluate the hold this has on our lives. Because it's, we're like fish swimming in water. We don't even know there's water. We just live in it, we breathe in it, we, we go around, and that's, that's our world. Money's everywhere. We need it. We have to have it. And, and, and this morning, what I, what I want to do for all of us, and this isn't just you, this is me too, what I want to do for all of us is to help us recognize the prison that we're in. I want us to, to see that uh, the enemy might have a hold on our hearts, and I want, I want us to... to, to uh, maybe see that for the first time. And so here's a few diagnostic questions because the Apostle Paul says, just to be clear, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, he says that uh, money isn't bad, okay? We, we, we have to use it, right? 
We, we really can't live in a world without it. We have to use it. We have to have it. Uh, so money isn't the issue. Money isn't bad. It isn't inherently evil. The love of money, he says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so love, the love of money takes many different forms and takes many different forms of evil. And so you might say, well, I don't do this with money, but I want to help you see that maybe there's another way the enemy has crept in on you because it just takes different forms. So here's some diagnostic questions. Do you hoard money or are you envious of other people's money? Right, just ask yourself that this morning. Am, am I a hoarder? And, and you might say, well, I'm not like those people who store up a whole bunch of stuff. You know, but, but think about this. And, and, and hear me, there's a difference between saving and hoarding. Okay? But there's a very thin line. You know, G- Jesus talks about this in the parables. James talks about this. Uh, you know, storing up possessions and storing up money and wealth because who knows what tomorrow's going to bring, right? Um, but he says, hey, your life might be demanding of you tonight. Uh, and so um, are you, do you have a, a, a heart of hoarding, right? It's, it's really about the heart here, guys. Um, and there's a difference between investing and desiring, right? We are actually called to invest talents, right? We're called to invest. But there's a difference between desiring and, and, and letting it take a hold of your heart. It's all a heart issue here. We'll talk about that more. Anyway, here's, here's another thing. When I say the words tithes and offerings, what just happened in your heart? What, what is that? How does that make you feel when I say tithes and offerings? That might be an indication that the enemy has some hold in your heart there. And guys, again, we just want to release you. I want you to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And that's a different quality of living. It's not physical life. It's, it's zoe life is the word. It's, it's a different quality of life. It's abundant life. It's overflowing life. It's a generous life. And, and so when I say tithes and offerings, what does, that, what does that do in your heart? Think about generosity this way, because this is, this is really what, what it boils down to. This is the theme throughout the whole series when we talk about abundance. Is, is I, almost, I almost entitled it Discover Generosity. But um, same thing. So, so generosity, that's the life we're supposed to live. And if you're talking about tithes, that's, that's 10%. Tithe means 10%. And we're not talking about the tithe today, guys. We'll, we'll talk about it later in the series. And we're not talking about it today. Um, but we're building a framework for, for it. Um, but, but when I say tithe, that's, that's 10%. And, and some of us... You, some of you guys do tithe. Uh, but what if, okay, we didn't understand in terms of tithing and money. What if we understood in terms of generosity? And what if your understanding of generosity is confined to 10%? For some of you guys, it's confined to 2%. But what, let's say 10%. What if, what, if, what if your understanding of generosity is confined to 10%? And here's, here's an illustration for you. For those of you who are parents, uh, think, think about your kids. For those of you who aren't parents, think about your kids in the future or, or another, another kid. What if, what if a, a child, your child, comes up to you and is hungry and you have a pizza that has 10 slices and they say, I'm so hungry, and you say, here, sweetie, out of my generosity, you can have one slice. But daddy, you have nine slices. 
and you're not going to eat all that. Well, but you can have one, sweetie. You're welcome. Go away. Like, does that sound generous to you? Is that your understanding of, of generosity? What if, and, and guys, what if you did it to the crumb, right? Like, oh, actually, I gave you an extra crumb. Let, let me take that back. Some of you guys, when you tithe, you do it very legalistically, and you tithe to the cent, right, or to the nearest dollar. Right? That's not the heart of generosity. That's not the heart of God here. And, and, and so you're, you're as, you're, yeah, well, I'm not going to talk about all that now, but, but uh, uh, what if that was our understanding of generosity? Well, here's 10%. Now think about this. Let's flip this, and let's, let's us, as the children of God, uh, and if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm really talking to you guys this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we really want you to discover abundance as well. And, and we want to invite you into this. And, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about how to do that. But think about this with, with God. What if you went to God and you said, God, you said you'd supply all my needs. And God, give me all my needs. And he said, hey, just, just for you, Mike, out of my generosity, I'm going to supply 10% of them. Here you go. You're welcome, Mike. I'm a, I'm a good father, aren't I? What if, what if I say, God, I, I have this disease. And what if you went to God and you said, I have this disease, God. God, I want you to heal me of this. Please take this away from me. And he said, I won't take it 100% away, but I will take 10% away. You're welcome for my generosity. We want to really... Love a God like that, right? And yet he's given us everything, and we're, and we're fighting over cents and dollars here. You know, it's, it's, it's like your child coming to you and you're giving them 10 cents, and they need a dollar, and you're like, well, here's 10 cents. That's, that's the tithe, right? So I want to help us to think abundantly. I want to help us to think generously, and that's what this passage is all about. It's all about... Uh, perspective and shifting our, our minds on this. So two more diagnostic questions to see if money has a hold on you. One, the first one, are you in any debt? Are you in school debt? Are you in car debt? Are you in mortgage debt? Are you in credit card debt? Are you in borrowing, any sort of borrowing loan debt, OSAP? And we've, somewhere along the line, we, we said, you know, this is good debt, this is bad debt. Hey, debt's, debt is debt. Uh, so money has a hold on you. And, and the enemy has, has a hold on you. Guys, if you're in debt, you've put yourself in a prison, and you can't get out of that until you've paid off that debt. You're debtors. You're, 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 you're slaves to your credit card. They, your MasterCard is your master. You know, your, your, um, your school debt, you have to pay that off. So you're working over here, you're getting paid, and then you got to put that all over here. So, so if you're in debt, then money has a hold on you. It just does. And so recognize it for what it is, and then get out of it as soon as possible. And then and just, uh, another thing, think about your job. Are you at your job because it fulfills you and your calling, or are you at your job because it pays you? Here's another way to think about it. If you were to get offered double the amount of money to leave your job tomorrow, would you take it? Then your job probably doesn't fulfill you. If, and, and you just made the decision on money. And you might say, well, um, if I have more money, then I can give more. And yes, all things being equal, that's a noble desire, that's, that's good. But are you faithful in the small things? 
A lot of times we think if we had more of this, we'd be more faithful. But, but God's saying, be faithful in the small things first, and you might, and, and then I'll give you more to be faithful in the larger things. So, so don't jump the gun there. Okay, so to be clear, wealth, money, possessions, they are not inherently evil. It's what we do with them. It's the place we give them in our lives that make them evil. And Proverbs 10.22 says this. It actually says that wealth is good and that the Lord sometimes blesses with wealth. He's the one who, who can bring it. And, and like I said, Jesus came to give us this abundant life. And if we can take this thing that the enemy has used to twist and to turn into, into things that aren't beneficial for us, and we can use wealth, money, and possessions for the kingdom, we can actually turn into a tool for tremendous good. And so we want to help you do that. We want to help you uh, through this series to have a robust theology of giving, of generosity, and not to get bogged down in the legalistic nuances of, of how much and the quantity of this and, and that uh, and of, of giving. We want, to help you, we want to help establish the law of liberty in your heart, that there's freedom in Christ in this, and we want to help you discover abundance. So here in, in verse 1, Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given us, or that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So here you have a group of churches in Macedonia. This would include, uh, this could include the Thessalonians, the Philippians, and some other some others there in Macedonia. That's the geographical region of this. And and you have the Corinthian church, which is further south. And and he's pointing those churches further north. And he says says uh, they're, they're giving and they're, and they're poor. They're in extreme poverty, which that, that word talks about the depth of poverty. So it's almost like rock bottom poverty they're in. And they're not, it's not because they're poor, uh, their cities are more poor or they're poorer people. It's because of a severe test of affliction. Guys, the early Christians, they, they went through a lot of social persecution and social ostracism, much like here, if, if we stood up for our faith that we might go through. Right? We might go through, we're not necessarily going to get killed for our faith here, but we, we, might get, um, we might get socially ostracized. You might not get that promotion. You might lose your job. And, and are you willing to have that happen? Are you willing to let go of money, material possessions, your job, your career, for the sake of Christ? Now, I'm not saying be foolish and start street preaching from your cubicle. I'm not saying to do that. Um, but what if your job is, what if your, your job or your career path or, or um, your boss is trying to push you into a direction that makes decisions that compromise your faith and what you stand for for Jesus. Are you willing to say no to that? And are you willing to risk your job? Do you hold that with an open hand or do you hold it with a closed fist? Here, the Macedonians, they're willing to let go of those things, and they did. And that's why they're in extreme poverty, because they're in a severe test of affliction. But... What do you see here? You see in their affliction, they had an abundance of joy. And joy in, in the scriptures, guys, has to do with, it, it, it's always connected to salvation, to the Lord, to the blessings, the spiritual blessings of God, to the community of faith. And, and here, so they have everything they need, right? They have everything they need. They lost their money, they lost their wealth, they lost their possessions, but they have the Lord. They have his salvation, they have each other. They have everything they need. So they have an abundance of joy. Isn't that really what you want in your life? Do you really want an abundance of money? 
You probably do if you think it's going to bring an abundance of joy, but really joy is what you're going for, right? You want an abundance of joy. Only the Spirit can produce that in your heart. And so if you're listening this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll search for joy forever and never find it apart from Jesus. You'll find happiness here and there, but it's always fleeting. It's always fading. It's always ephemeral. It's always short-lived. So guys, joy here is abundant because they're in Christ Jesus, and they have this abundance of joy, this overflowing joy. And it's in their extreme poverty. And so you see, their joy wasn't because of their worldly possessions, and it wasn't because of their circumstances. They're in a severe test of affliction. So it was coming from somewhere else. It was coming from God. It was coming from Christ. It was coming from the rock, who Christ is and what he does in their lives. And it overflowed in a wealth of generosity, in a wealth of generosity on their part. Guys, even their generosity didn't depend on what they had. It depended on what they gave. Do you understand that? Like, their generosity wasn't dependent on having, you know, a, a million dollars. It was dependent on, on what they gave. And they said, we're going to give regardless of what we have. And that's why they, they could say they had a wealth of generosity. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means and beyond their means of their own accord. He's saying, I didn't tell them to do this. They did it themselves. In fact, in verse 4, they begged us earnestly for the favor. That word favor, uh, ESV translated as favor, but it's, it's the same word above in verse 1, which is grace, the grace of God. We're going to come back to that in a, in a few minutes. But uh, just note that, begging us earnestly for the grace of taking part in the relief of the saints. They wanted to help each other. And guys, in this time, we have, we have people who've lost jobs. We have people who, who have, um, their hours have been reduced. And there's story after story of uh, BLGs, or small groups, coming around people to help support them. Because if, if you need us, we're here for you. This is the church of God. And, and we see this happening here, and this is what we want to model. We want to do it out of our abundance. And you heard we, we're doing that for our community, right? for people we don't know. And we're going to do it for people we know, too. Those who have committed to this church, we're here for you. Tell your BLG, like, we're, we're here to support you and carry your burden. So, so here, uh, it, it says, they begged us for the grace of taking part in relieving the saints. In verse 5, and this, not as we expected, so they didn't ask them to do this, they didn't even expect them to do this, the apostles, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Guys, they were generous first with their lives to God. Do you know why money, wealth, possessions has a hold on you now? Because you haven't first been generous with your life to God. That's the first thing they did. You're fighting a losing battle if you haven't done that first. And we want to help you discover abundance. Don't be like the rich young man who just turned away. This is a heart issue. This is, you, this is you giving your life to God. If you want to discover abundance, you have to die to yourself. If you want to discover abundance, you have to lose your soul. 
and then you'll find it. If you want to discover abundance, you have to become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your reasonable act of worship, meaning that's the least you can do in following Jesus. That's the reasonable act, is to give your life to God, to give your life to Jesus. And some of you guys, you haven't given your life fully over to God. And so you're not really following Jesus. You're, you may be doing what the rich ruler did, the rich young guy did, and he's kind of walking the other direction. You're saying, well, I've, I've done these commandments. I, I, I've gone to church. I've gone to this. I've done this. I, I give some money. I do this. And, and Jesus is saying, no, I, I don't want all that. I want your heart. I want your life. I want all of you. I don't just want 2%, 10%. I don't even want 99%. I want 100%. God demands that of us. And if you can't give that, he says, you're, not, you're just not worthy of the kingdom. But if you can, he says, all I have is yours. All I have is yours. And in these first seven verses, you see grace repeated over and over. It starts in verse 1, where it says, the grace of God. And the Macedonians, verse 4, take part in the grace. And then you see grace repeated in verses 6 and 7. It says, uh, Paul says, he should complete among you this act of grace. I'm going to skip some things here, guys, because uh, we're running out of time. And, and he says in verse 7 also, as you excel in speech, knowledge, faith, earnestness, and our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So I want you guys to do this out loud with me. If you're with somebody, say this to the person next to you. If you're by yourself, say this over yourself. I want you to repeat these words out loud. See that you excel in this act of grace also. See that you excel in this act of grace also. Guys, you are taking part in the grace of God, the favor of God, by living a life of generosity. You're extending God's grace. So see that you excel, excel, exceed in this act of grace also. And Paul says here, I say this not as a command. Guys, we're not commanding you to do this here. Again, we're not, we're not, we're, this isn't under compulsion. We really want you to experience freedom in Christ. That's really what, what we want, to, for you to discover abundance, live a life of generosity. And he says here, I say this not as command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. So this is what it boils down to, an expression of love. He says in Romans 12, he says, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, and he goes on to say some other things, be fervent in spirit. Uh, but here he says, he says, it just boils down to love. Is your love genuine? This, uh, during this quarantine, during this crisis, um, we've seen a bunch of acts of love from, from you guys towards our family. Thank you so much. Um, uh, when this whole thing first started, uh, Adam and Emily brought, brought dinner and, and drinks, and uh, just, it was just an act of love, right? And, and, uh, and Grace Lee, she dropped off cookies you know, sometime uh, a couple weeks later. And guys, if you have never had Grace's cookies, sorry, Grace, if you're, <laughs> if you're on the feed, sorry, I hope you don't get, like, demands and, and requests because um, only make cookies for us. <laughs> but because, okay, I'm not a cookie guy, not normally, but there is one best cookie in the whole world, and that's the Chick-fil-A cookie. I know you guys are, like, arguing with me right now, but... If I've introduced it to multiple people, Adam, one of those, and he agrees. 
Uh, and so, uh, Chick-fil-A cookies here. Grace's cookie, I mean, they're like, they're vying for superiority, guys. And Grace's cookie was like vegan or something. It was like healthy, so it actually made me feel healthy when I ate it, too. So it's kind of like a bonus, but it didn't taste like that. Um, so she dropped off cookies. It's such a sweet surprise, such a, yeah, just, just an act of love. Um, Archie and Cindy, uh, I know they probably hate us talk, hate me talking about this, uh, but um, they showed us generosity. They showed an act of love to us by giving us a Skip the Dishes um, uh, gift card. And, and just a little thing, guys, uh, but it meant so much to our family. And Archie and Cindy, uh, Missy and I stretched it out to like three meals because <laughs> we're cheap. Um, like, they were just so generous in doing that, and it just, we felt so much love from that. It was such, it, it was just so nice. And, and so what Missy and I did, we wanted to do that as well. We wanted to share love. So there's a small business owner in our neighborhood that we've been developing a relationship with and uh, that I've been kind of communicating with uh, over this quarantine just because we love that they're in the neighborhood and, and those things. And, uh, and so... Uh, Missy and I sent, sent him and his family a uh, Skip the Dishes gift card as well and to complete the act of grace, right? It was like, and, and we get to extend the act of grace to them. Those, and they're, they're not in the church. They're not followers of Jesus, right? And, and we get to extend that act of grace to them. And guys, it blew them away uh, that we would do that, that we would even, that we would even think about them as, as neighbors, not just not just small business owners like that, and just show them that love. And so let love be genuine. Do you, do you love God? Do you love others? Do you love your pastor? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw that in there. I wish I could hear you guys laughing right now, but that was a total joke. Um, but just let love be genuine. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, where was I? Yes, act in genuineness accordingly. And then, guys, I'm, I'm not going to read this. We read this earlier, but I'm just going to say a few things about the, this last section here. One, verse 9, Jesus is our example. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And you might say, oh, well, that's easy for Jesus coming from heaven. He only lived here for 33 years, then he became king of heaven. Uh, one, that's kind of blasphemous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but two, there's actually evidence that, that Jesus lived a pretty well-off life here. Yes, he was born in a stable, but he was a carpenter in a time when a lot of building was happening. Herod's temple, for instance, a lot of building was happening. So, so he was actually, a lot of scholars would say he was living a lucrative life, and he gave all that up when he was 30, right, to just do whatever God wanted him to do. So, he, so there's evidence that he did it even in this life where he just said, no, that is not going to have a hold on me. And so for our sake, he became poor that we might become rich. We're not talking about, about um, uh, money, wealth, possessions here necessarily, right? We're talking about, we're talking about the things that, uh, that we get in Jesus. And, and so this isn't the prosperity gospel that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy all the time. But, but Paul roots our abundance not in possessions, he roots it in the power of the Spirit in our lives. And he goes on, and there's, there's a few verses, I mean, there's a few words that are repeated over in this passage. One is readiness. Are you ready? And that, that word there is, is, is eager. Are you 
eager to be generous. They were. They were eager for it, meaning they were looking for opportunities to be generous. There's, if you're willing to be generous, that's, that's good too, but you can miss those opportunities, right? Like sometimes you're willing to share your faith, but you don't see them until they've already passed you those opportunities. Uh, but are you eager to be generous? That means you're searching out those opportunities. They were eager to be generous. And then the, the, the third word here is, is abundance. You see that that is a theme throughout all this. They do it because they have a perspective shift. Their, their, their mentality has switched from a mentality of scarcity to mentality of surplus. And guys, poverty, you talk to anyone in poverty, people are in poverty not because of the money, but because of their mentality. And before you get all angry at me, I'm not talking about poor people here. I'm not talking about people who our society says are poor because they have less money. I've seen more people with a poverty mindset who are living in poverty who have money than who don't have money. And you might be one of those this morning. You're actually living in poverty, not in abundance, because the money you have is putting you in a prison. It's not about the money, guys. It's about your mentality. So switch your perspective this morning. The last one is fairness. We don't have time to go into verse 15, but verse 15 talks about, he quotes Exodus, and he says, really he's talking about equality here and, and, he, and fairness. He, he quotes Exodus and he says, God's just going to provide for you every day. And those who stored up more than, than what they needed for the day, do you know what happened to it? The, the manna that they stored up, it, it rotted. It went bad. And so don't whore, don't have the mentality. This is all about a heart issue. Um, Again, I wish we could, I wish I had time to really, really um, form our thoughts on this, but we're in a crisis where a lot of people are hoarding, right? Phase one was everyone's buying up soap and antibacterial stuff, lifestyle wipes uh, at Pusateri's for 30 bucks a can, uh, price gouging. Uh, phase two, uh, toilet paper and other paper products, uh, nobody gets that still. Uh, phase three, bread, milk, other groceries. Phase four, you know what phase four is? I saw an article this past week uh, by a Walmart CEO. Phase four is hair clippers and hair dye. <laughs> People are buying up like crazy. I know, I need, to, I need to do something with this. Get some hair clippers out of there. Probably need some dye in there too. Uh, but that's phase four, guys. We just become so selfish so quickly. It's in us, it's our sinful nature. And so I want to, uh, throughout this series, we want to help release you of that to live a life of generosity and abundance. Because when you do, when you do, and I can attest this, I'll attest this throughout, uh, when you do, man, you can't, this is such a cliche, but you can't outgive God. He has infinite resources and infinite, all spiritual blessings, right, are for you. And that's how we're rich in Christ Jesus. And to not have to worry about money not be bound by it, because there's so much freedom there. We're going to try to help you do that through this series. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truths. Thank you that uh, we can actually live in freedom, that the law of liberty can be established in our hearts, that we can actually discover abundance. So help us to do that collectively for your sake, for your glory, so that we can live our lives fully for you, in the greatest capacity for your kingdom's sake. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. 
Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.